Hey, welcome to Pathway. How are you today? Praise God. Amen. We're here. If you're online with us, we're glad you're with us as well. But it is so good to be together, isn't it? We have so much to be thankful for, so much to celebrate. And uh, boy, let's give our team a hand in leading us into God's presence. I, I hope we never take for granted God's presence. And there's something that happens when we come together in God's presence. You know, Scripture's clear in Matthew 18, where two or three are gathered, there he is. And so it increases when we're together, and we're so thankful that you are here today. I'm the new guy. I'm Pastor Brian. This is my third Sunday, and we're in this series called Welcome Home, Love Lives Here. And I really believe that home is a place where love is to live, to be present, to be active, to be moving among us. Amen? And so wherever you're at in that, today may be a day where some of this holiday that we just celebrated actually stirred up things that maybe weren't as loving, and we'll get to that in a minute. But I thought I'd share with you, this was our first Thanksgiving in Florida, and uh, so on Thursday, uh, we had nine dishes prepared for seven of us, which meant we ate a lot of food. And it was really, really good food. It was such a great time. We cooked together, uh, cooked kind of all day. We watched a little bit of football. I'm a Lions fan. It never goes well for us. Uh, my, my son actually came and found me in the first quarter, and he said, Dad, they, they just did it again. And, you know, it's just one of those things, but it, it feels familiar. And so it felt like Thanksgiving, right? Uh, played a board game, and then my favorite part this year, we walked on the beach together afterwards, right? You, you get out, you, you enjoy a little sunshine. They had told me Florida had sunshine, and I'm now getting to experience some of it in uh, the last week or so. So we just feel so blessed. And, and I wanted to share with you also what we did about a month ago. A month ago, my family, as we were getting ready to leave uh, Michigan, I wanted to, I've mentioned my dad in the last couple of weeks. I've mentioned my brother, who's a pastor. And so I thought I'd show you a family photo uh, or a picture. Photo makes me sound a, a older, doesn't it? Uh, here's a picture of our family. And this was taken on our Michigan Thanksgiving. This was at the end of October. Uh, those are leaves on the ground. They fall in the fall, if you didn't know that. And, uh, you know, uh, I was so thankful that actually this year, as they're experiencing cold and snow, we were on the beach. It was kind of fun. Uh, but this is my family. And uh, we actually, that, that day for Thanksgiving, we decided to recreate some of what Thanksgiving feels like. So we found on YouTube a Macy's Parade. Uh, and, and we played it in October. Uh, we found a Lions game, and because we could, we picked one they won. And uh, that, that was the game we watched. And so we just had a great time uh, together. And, and here's why I bring this up. Our family has experienced a lot of change, a lot of transition uh, in this year. We have a lot to be thankful for because we know God's in it. Uh, but how many of you, have, as you look back at 2020, as you think back on this year, are like, yeah, there's been a lot of changes and transitions and things that I didn't expect, I didn't see coming, maybe I didn't even want, right? And, and we're called to give thanks, but we also need to recognize that, that God is a God who meets us in the middle of, of that kind of stuff, that in a year like 2020, I believe not only can we give thanks for who he is, but we can also look for how he wants to renew us how he wants to become our strength again, how he wants to meet us in the middle of the mess. 
I want to share with you as we get started today uh, from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 to 31. And then I want to pray for us because I believe that, that all of us have experienced some things that need renewal because of 2020. Some of them may have actually even happened in the last few days. Maybe your dinner table for Thanksgiving was lonely this year. Or maybe there wasn't a lot of fun. There was more dysfunction. Maybe there were some things that, as you think about it today, you're like, God, I, I need to know that you're able. And, and the message title today is, Didn't You Know? Didn't you know? Didn't you know who God is and what he's able to do? So we're going to start here in Isaiah 40, verse 28. Reading from the ESV. Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Church, didn't you know that our God is that good, that he is that able? And I want to pray us into the message today because there's some things we're going to be reminded about, about who God is and his heart for us as he welcomes us home, as he welcomes us into a deeper relationship with him. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. That Thanksgiving in the life of a believer isn't a one-time holiday each year. It is not a one-time moment. It is something that in the ups and downs of life, we can give thanks. Because you are the God that is able, that is stronger, that comes alongside of us and renews us. And so, Father, I pray for your spirit to move in a mighty way, not just today, but in the days ahead. That if we're weary, you would raise us up. That we would soar on wings like eagles. Father, we thank you for your heart, for each person that is here and tuning in online. Just ask, Lord, that your love would meet us. And that you would move in a mighty way today. That we would grow with you. So hide me that you may be heard through your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Amen. So God renews us. And the story that we're finishing today, we'll start a new series next week, but we're in, we've been in Luke 15 these last couple of weeks, so you can turn there. And, and we've seen that God is a God of the lost and found, that, that he seeks the lost, and, and when he finds them, there's a celebration, there's a thanksgiving, there is joy in heaven when even one comes to know him. In addition to that, we've seen that, that when we choose to go our own way, when we abandon God, when we're like the prodigal son who in Luke 15 goes his own way, that heaven is waiting and ready to receive even one who returns to him. That he is ready with arms wide open to welcome us. And, and as we looked at these stories, there, there was this moment where it all could have kind of ended on this high note. Right in the prodigal son story, if you read in verse uh, 24, I believe it is, 
You, you hear the father saying, you know, we're celebrating. My son was lost and now he's found. My son was dead and now he's alive. And man, wouldn't that be a great ending? But I love what Jesus does next. Because as we look at this, he, he actually has pointed us to how the father's heart is for the, the prodigal son, the one brother. But at the beginning of the story, he told us there were two. And when we look today, we're going to see that he finishes by speaking to the older brother. And that for many of us, we're going to be able to relate to the second brother. And so let's pick up here, and I want to read to you these last few verses, and then we're going to unpack them, and we're going to dive deep today. Did you come to learn today? Did you come to be equipped, empowered? You need to know that. When you come here, my hope and heart is to equip, to encourage, and then to empower you to live the life God has called you to live. So we're not just coming to go through the motions. We're coming to grow so that we can serve him and make a difference in this this community and beyond. Amen? So picking up in verse 25. It says, now his older son was in the field. So again, let me contextually remind you where we're at. The, son, the younger son left, he returned, the father met him through a party, and that party is unfolding, and here's where we pick up. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he hear, heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. I'm going to just stop there. So the older brother hears the celebration and he, become, he comes to somebody and asks what's going on. Again, I told you today is didn't you know? And so our first, if you're taking notes, our first statement here is didn't you know that God's activity awakens the religious and the irreligious? You, you see what happens in this moment is the younger son has been awoken. The younger son has come to his his, his senses and has come back to the father. He has found relationship again. Remember, that's one of the keys to the whole thing. Sin separates us from that relationship with God and with others. And so his sin had separated him, and now there's a celebration happening because the father rushed to the son as he repented and returned. God's activity will awaken the irreligious. And Pathway, online and here present, you need to know that I believe our God is alive, he is active, and he is going to be on the move in this next season. He is going to be awakening, yes, praise God, pray that way. Because he's going to awaken the irreligious. People that have maybe been hurt by the church, here or otherwhere, other places? Because here's the thing, it's not just this church that may have a story of church hurt, but many people have stories of church hurt in other communities, in other places, and and God's spirit is going to move on the irreligious, call them unchurched, call them de-churched, call them just in need of a savior, and as they are awakened and come back, God's going to do something here. Amen? Come on. But here's the thing. He's not going to just awaken the irreligious. He's going to awaken the religious. Oh boy, church. 
the new guy's going there, okay? Because what we see here is this story is set in Luke 15, and in the first couple of verses, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, actually were upset because people were hanging out with Jesus that they didn't think should be hanging out with Jesus. You see, when God begins moving, people are going to notice. And sometimes religious folk, people that are so saved and have been so in the church for so long, begin to forget how good the gospel is on the front end, that it doesn't require us to clean everything up before we come to church. That it doesn't require us initially, all it says is, do you believe that Jesus is the Lord, that he is your savior, that faith alone will save us? That's the gospel. And so it's going to, today and moving forward, be a moment where we have to recognize not everybody is going to like what God begins to do. That there will be people. My prayer is it isn't us. But there will be people that sit back and go, nah, God isn't doing that. There's no way. I know their story. How could, how could they accept those people? The heart of the Father is so different. The heart of the Father is this love that accepts and welcomes all people. There's often this reality that when people think of faith and they think of a church, they think of insiders and outsiders. Insiders are those people that, yeah, they have that relationship with the Lord. They're on the inside. They're a part of the church. They're a part of the right group in the church. And then there's the outsiders, those that maybe feel marginalized and not accepted or welcomed. My heart and the heart of God, I believe, is that nobody would feel like an outsider at Pathway. That in fact, we would deal with our junk and our stuff enough, even on a day like today, to be able to recognize if there's a religious part of us sitting back, that will be, and if your arms are crossed right now, I'm not speaking to you. It's a a metaphor, okay? But that we would be in a position to say, no, we're gonna be open. We're gonna allow God to move and do what God wants to do. You see, what we see here is, is the response to heaven in two ways. One is there's joy in heaven when one comes to know him. And we want to be that kind of place. And in fact, at the beginning of this series, we, we placed this welcome home set up here. And, and we said, when the lights are on, we're going to rejoice and celebrate, church. And when the lights are off, we're going to feel a little bit of the pain of heaven. The lights are off today. Does that mean we should feel down and discouraged? No, because they still work. I can still do this. Oh, no. (laughs) Don't give me that remote. They work. And we believe God's at work. So what does it mean in a moment like this that we feel a little bit of that pain? Enough to say, God, we're going to pray. We're going to invite. We're going to share our faith this week. And when it happens, we're going to let the church staff know 
so that we can follow up and help people with discipleship, but also so we can make sure those lights are on, amen? Because here's the thing, what we see in this passage is the pain of heaven is when people stand by and don't have God's heart. When they're standing by like the older son and not able to enter in and rejoice, they're like this bitter older brother that he is. We see this bitter older brother, and in fact, I I came across this illustration from a Sunday school teacher. This Sunday school teacher was discussing the Ten Commandments after her, with her five and six-year-olds in the kids' class. And after explaining the commandment to honor the father and thy mother, she asked, is there a commandment that teaches us how to treat our brothers and sisters? Without missing a beat, the little boy answered, thou shalt not kill. <laughs> I just found that like so fitting, right? Like we think it's thou shalt not kill, like the extreme is the only thing we need to deal with. You see, the reality is, you've probably heard, hurting people hurt people. That that hurting people tend to hurt people. And there's something about this older brother that may reflect some of the hurt and pain in our life. That that in fact, we can relate to him and this, as God wants to move on our hearts, we have to begin to invite him in to deal with our stuff. So we think about this, let's read on here in verse 28 and see what happens. It says, but he was angry and f- refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. And I just want to pause there. I love that in, our, in, in Luke 15, the father is very clear that he pursues the lost. Not just the irreligious though. He's going out to the older son. He pursues all of us. His spirit seeks relationship with each of us, even if we've grown hardened, maybe in our hurt. So again, verse 28, the father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Didn't you know that both open rebellion and hidden superiority separate us from fellowship with the Father? This is what we're learning in this text today. That it wasn't just the reckless living and rebellion of the younger son that had separated him from the father. That actually the older son had been separated as well. Around the home, around the things of God, but missing the heart of God in a relationship. Hidden superiority, a jealousy over what God was doing for his younger brother was being exposed. I got to tell you, in my lifetime, I've been both sons. I've been the younger son in my teenage years, my early 20s, where I really was struggling with open, reckless rebellion. Anybody else? Welcome to a real church. If it wasn't, it is now. I'm here. 
But I also was the older son. I'll never forget when God began to really convict me of that. Still breaks my heart. That somehow I had met Jesus in such a life-changing way. Had been radically transformed. But somehow had forgot how it was Jesus that did it, not me. Somehow it began to feel like I've figured some things out. Begun to feel a little bit superior. Did you catch it in what he said? There's a number of things the older son said that are, that are so revealing. In there he, he says, your son. Sarcastically revealing that he didn't want to claim him as his brother anymore. How often do we do that? We just discard and dismiss people, even family. Sarcasm, by the way, is something I have to work on regularly. It has a place. It can be funny, but it's often laced with an element of anger. Any other sarcastic people in the room? (laughs) Lord's working on me too. And so he's, he's almost sarcastic in the moment. You know, really saying, like, it, this is your son. He also reveals a works mentality. He, he says, I, I've been here. I've been slaving away, working for you. You didn't even give me, you know, a young calf to go celebrate. And that's very revealing. Because sometimes we can feel entitled. We can feel a sense of, well, I've never strayed. I'm somehow superior. A sense that there's a reward for our good works when in fact the reward has already been given. Because of what he's done for us, we do the good works. The son had missed it. He was actually jealous. He actually had this this attitude towards his brother. And and like I said, I can relate to this because I can clearly remember I was on staff at a church 16, 17 years ago, not the one we planted, but the, the first one that, that I went on staff at, I can remember God showing me, hey, you're, it's great, Brian, I've transformed you, I've changed you, you're on staff at a church now, but son, you're not all that. In fact, your spirit is more like the older son right now. I just wonder if there's anybody else that that can relate to some of that. God wants to deal with that because here's the thing. Superiority, whether it's religious or whether it's racial or whether it's economic-based, is a sin. Any superiority that we are holding over another whether it's because of our ethnicity, let me repeat myself, or our economic class, or even our religious upbringing and how we view others, all of that is a sin that Jesus wants to deal with today. Amen? We good? (laughs) Because here's the deal. The the, The older son, he wasn't good. Did you catch it? It said he was angry. And there's a lot of anger in our world today, isn't there? 
there's a lot of anger that has to do with things being out of our control, which is often when anger manifests in the absence of control. So how do we regain control? We don't. We surrender to his. His sovereignty helps us deal with our anger. And the older son was upset and he was angry. And we have a God who wants to meet us even in our anger and deal with it. Didn't you know that open rebellion and hidden superiority, this heart that could be welling up with anger towards others, happy Thanksgiving, right? May not be your dinner table, your family that's got you anger. It could be what's happening in the country or our community. It could be masks or no masks. Whoa, ho, ho. Right? Never forget sitting down with a, a marriage counselor about 11 years ago. Cindy and I went to, and we, we will tell you, we have worked on our marriage 19 years in a couple weeks. And we always are looking, God, how do we move from good to great? Yeah, you can clap for that. Jesus did it, not us. <laughs> And, and we're sitting there with this counselor, and I'll never forget, he sheepishly looks at me, and he's like, Pastor, I, I've got this material I think that might benefit you, and he quickly said in your ministry, he was scared to talk to me about this thing called the anger workbook. So he framed it as it would help your ministry, not just your, when really he was saying, Brian, you, you're a mess. Like, Brian, you got, you got some anger issues you need to deal with? And so Les Carter is the author behind this, and this took me on a journey, and I want to read this to you, one of his definitions or statements around anger. He says, angry people may appear strong, willful, willful or certain, but he assures that beneath that veneer are fear and loneliness and insecurity and pain, especially there is pain. You see, the younger brother was living in his own sense of pain and hurt. And for me, God began working on my heart to, to how to deal with that, how to walk through that. And I want to share with you some of that today. If you'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at this issue of anger and unforgiveness. And we need to remember as we turn here, this was written to a church in Ephesus that is also prescriptive and descriptive for us. That Paul's writing to some believers that, that may have been struggling with their own anger, their own issues. You see, the older son was in his own rebellion and it was stemming from his pain, his hurt, his anger that he had. Picking up in verse 25 of Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry. Does it say don't be angry? It doesn't. It's not there. It's on the screen. It says be angry. So you're going to get angry. You're going to get upset. But the key is do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Meaning we need to deal with it as soon as we can to find forgiveness, reconciliation, and restoration. It says, give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, 
but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Verse 29, think of the older son. Think of maybe your own life. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Gulp. You mean I'm accountable for the things that I say? In an age where we feel like we have the right to say anything to anyone at any time? Maybe God has a little bit different approach. It says verse 30, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, notice the progression here. It begins with a bitterness, which clearly the younger son had, or the older son had some bitterness built up. Clearly something had worked on him to get him to that place that he was at. And notice the progression here. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, which would be now it's coming out of you visibly affecting others. Any road rage in the room? Don't raise your hand. And slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Malice means actually the, the intent to murder. Like your anger's got to such a place that you just want to take them out, or Jesus, take them home. <laughs> we spiritualize our junk sometimes, don't we? Now notice the antidote. Notice the antidote for some of the anger, how God wants us to, to maybe be aware today and to deal with this. Because whether it's open rebellion or hidden superiority, it may have got you to a place that where you're just angry and you're upset like the older son. The antidote is so simple. Verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. The antidote is not forgive first. Did you see? It's actually kindness that then begins to soften and tenderize our hearts and opens us up to forgiving. And the whole reason we forgive is because of what Christ already did for us. That's why I think the older son missed it. He missed the moment. He missed the joy of what God was doing because his heart was so bitter and angry and closed off. And so I want you to think, like, who's that person that you were upset with recently? Who's that person that, that God wants you to be kind to? Because, again, kindness softens our heart and allows us to forgive. It's said of Abraham Lincoln who you talk about being a president during a difficult time. He, he actually dealt with his own anger in a unique way. He didn't have text and social media. Some of us need to get off of those things when we're angry, by the way. He, he would write letters, and actually he had a practice. When he was really angry and upset with somebody, he would write the letter twice. The first letter, he would get everything out that he needed to that was the stuff that was the bitterness, the anger. And then he would tear that letter up 
and he'd write the second one that had more tact, more kindness in it. Some of you need to tear up the first response. And you need to get it out, but then not hit send. For me, James 1.19, it's not on the slides, it's not in the notes, but grab a hold of it. Because it grabbed a hold of me 11 years ago and helped me be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. You ever in those moments where you just want to pull it back? Right? James 1.19, memorize it, let it work on you. Before you hit send or before you say it, it makes such a difference. Moving from reacting to responding. And that's what we see from the Father, is he's responding. He's not reacting like the, the older son in anger, he's responding. Even though he had every right to be upset. And so let's look at how he responds here in verse 31 through 32. Back to Luke 15. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and he is found. Didn't you know that God's love challenges both of the sons self-seeking? You see, both sons were self-seeking. Both sons were prideful. Both sons had their own issues. One in reckless living, the other in hidden rebellion. Both of them had their issues, and God's love challenges both. So what we see here at the end of this passage is Jesus, and you can hear him not just saying it to the older son, but to the Pharisees who had originally brought up the issue, saying to them, will you let my love move and flow freely? Will you let my love welcome people? Will you let my love even welcome you? Didn't you realize that if you're with me, all that I have is yours? And I wonder if sometimes when we're caught up in our way of doing things and in religion and just going to church, if we aren't sitting here or online and missing that the Father is saying all he has is available for us. That is the beauty of the gospel. It's that the veil has been torn, that Jesus gives us all access to him. That's a game changer. And that's what I believe Jesus is trying to get through here to the older son. So you may be hurt, but you don't need to be held back. Because God's arms are wide open with love for you today. You may be sitting, not physically right now, but in your spirit like that older son. I want to just encourage you to relax and to realize God's arms are wide open. That his love wants to meet you. That God's unconditional love turns endings into new beginnings. That in fact, when the younger son turned back, he ended one season to begin anew. We don't know what happens to the older son after this moment. Wouldn't that be cool to know or to find out? But what I do know is that any ending that we bring before the father, he births a new beginning. And there is no doubt that God can reverse the flow of his love 
and forgiveness in our life. So which son are you today? Or are you like the father with his heart ready to receive? I want to show you a quick picture and tell you a story of a year ago, around a year ago. We went to Chicago with some friends. Uh, this is them. I got permission to use this photo. That is Cindy and myself. Those are winter coats. They are only necessary under 45 degrees. I know you all have saw, saw the weather and it's going to be like 60 on Tuesday. That is not cold. I am from Michigan, all right? Yeah, give it five years, you're probably right. And so we, we went uh, mid-November, and it was really, really cold. And uh, we just still decided to take a riverboat tour. And so here's a picture that I took on this riverboat tour that was in the 40s on the Chicago River. Now, as we're out there, it was beautiful. It was such a highlight hearing the history and the architecture and all of the things on that river. But you know what actually grabbed my attention more than anything? It was the fact that the Chicago River, a century ago, they reversed the flow. That actually engineers figured out a way to reverse the flow of the Chicago River to bring fresh water in from Lake Michigan and now reverse the flow. Now, I don't think St. Louis, where it ends, is real happy about that. Okay? But the reality was engineers figured out a way and over the last century the river has got cleaner and fresher and that flow continues to change that river and it's far more beautiful today because that flow was reversed. Are you seeing where I'm trying to, you're picking it up? Because I'm laying it down, okay? There is a God who wants to reverse the flow today who wants to show us his unconditional love and forgiveness. And so let me ask you two next step questions for you to think about. The first is this. Are you acting more like the younger son, the older son, or the heavenly father? God's heart welcomes you. If it's younger, if it's older, or if it's the heavenly father, be humbled and honored to say, I feel like, I'm in that moment, that sweet spot. So which, which of it is, is it for you? And then secondly, who do you need to forgive or seek forgiveness from to start a new beginning? Who is that person in your life that maybe you've grown angry or bitter, whether they're in the church or not in the church, whether they're in your home or not in your home, whether they're in your neighborhood or workplace where God's just saying, hey, I want you to start being kind to them, to open your heart to them again, to allow my love to reverse the flow and forgiveness to begin its work. I'm going to pray us in because I don't need to know how you're responding right now. He needs to know. And so we're going to have some time to respond. We're going to worship together. The altars, both altars are going to be open. I want to encourage you, if you don't know Jesus and you're here physically, if you need prayer for anything, if maybe there's somebody that, that has so hurt you that you need to lay it down to not become more and more like that older son, I want to encourage you to come forward to the altars, to know that, that myself or others, will come, leaders will come and meet and pray with you. This is a time to respond to his goodness and love. Amen? Didn't you know 
how good he is and how he doesn't want to leave us, but wants to welcome us home. Father, we love you. We praise you. God, we admit that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And today, it may not be that we are in reckless living or open rebellion. It may be that we have some hidden superiority. That we've somehow begun to think highly of ourselves and less of those around us. So I just ask, Father, for honesty with you in this moment. That as we come to you and declare that we need you, the Holy Spirit, you would rush in renewing us and reviving us in you. Father, we thank you that your love is here. Your arms are wide open. And I just ask that whether it's in the altar, at the altars, in our chairs, or even online, that this would be a powerful moment of declaring that we need you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for what you are doing. We give you all the praise and honor. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together if if you're able and worship and praise Him. The altars are open. Online, you can reach out to our hosts. They would love to talk with you right now.
I believe God has so much more ahead for us. I really do. I'm so excited to just know that when we come together, he's going to meet us. He knows what we need. His word is going to speak, and his presence is going to lead us forward. Start a new series next week, and I want to just encourage you. It's called There Is More. We're going to be looking at God's story during the Christmas season, our story, because I believe there is more. Amen. So come back for that, invite someone. Let's reach out to those that need hope this Christmas. And if there's something God has done in your heart today, maybe you've recommitted to Christ or committed for the first time, we wanna know about it, we wanna follow up with you, we wanna help celebrate like heaven celebrates. And so please let one of our leaders know if you're in person or online, let our hosts know. If you're a visitor, welcome. You'll come to the visitor center, the welcome center, right out these doors afterwards. Uh, we have a gift for you. We'd love to welcome you. By the way, church, we had 11 people get gifts last week. New visitors. Awesome. It's exciting. It's exciting. And then church family, this is a time when we can give thanks and worship also through our giving. And so I want to encourage you, the giving boxes are there. You could give online. That is an act of worship and thanksgiving as well. Amen. Let me pray for us and pray what God has a, for what I believe God has ahead. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you for what you are doing in our hearts today. You are such a good, good heavenly Father. And God, as you reverse the flow, as you flood in with your unconditional love and forgiveness, God, I pray that we would not just grow in our love for you, but we would love our neighbor and all people that you place in our pathway this week. Father, may we go now and be the church that you've called us to be, sharing your love with all those that we come into contact with. And God, we give you all the honor and all of the glory, and we thank you that there is more 
that the best is yet to come as we wait on you. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen, amen. Have a great week. Thanks for being here.